Welcome to the Story Brigade. Yay! <laughs> I said it right that time. You did. Good job. Perfect. We're... Here we talk about stories. Yes. In weird combinations. Weird combinations. Yeah. 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 Stories. Stories. <laughs> High five. High five. See you on the other side. And Story Brigade back to the Story Brigade, rolling right on into season three. Um, critics are already saying that this is the most exciting season so far. Um, it's just the the New York Times. Wow, just wrote such a good review the other day. They wow. used yeah they they used uh, the term genius a couple of times. Um, it's amazing not to just, that not to describe us, get, but uh, it's amazing we could send them previews when only one is recorded so far. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's they're they're actually they're just extrapolating off of where we've come. They're like, wow, <laughs> the first two episodes are so good. Well, the first episode and, you know, three minutes and of the guest uh, episode. And yeah, and the guest episode, they're just like, honestly, like this trajectory, we've done the math, all the scientific analysis. Um, it's it's going to break the internet. It's it's going to be the greatest wow. thing. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and as we so, know, it's it's art. It's, it's it, more than science. See, so it, exactly. It could be even better. It could. Connor, are you ready to live up to that hype of, no. of making this <laughs> most amazing thing? Um, no, I'm just going to have fun. Cool. I also just <laughs> want to throw this out there before we dive too far in. Um, I want to put out yes. uh, an apology because apparently in uh, the Coen Brothers episode last season, I said something along the lines of nobody goes to Hollywood to be a costume designer. Uh, so for all of the costume designers out there, uh, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean it stereotypically in films. You don't see that as a motivation to go to Hollywood. It's a wonderful career and I support everyone who does it. And it's, it's wonderful and, and fantastic. My apologies. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> wow, Anyways. you uh, had some costume designers come after you? Uh, I, had, I had someone point out the, the folly in my ways and, uh, and I apologize for that. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, cool. Let's uh, let's dive right in. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, spin. Sorry, spinning. Do you take out the previous ones? Ooh, I did. Whoa. Okay. Outlaw Western. It's a okay. Favorite. Okay. Outlaw Western, and. Cinerama. <laughs> Um. Okay. Okay. So we're, this yeah. is gonna be weird, but we're gonna. Why don't, have why don't fun. you go through Cinerama? Cinerama. <laughs> so, so I threw Cinerama in there. Uh, it's it. We we kind of get to decide what we want that to be. Cinerama in in reality was a um a filming technique um used back in the 50s and 60s i, I think late, so yeah for late the 50s FX. early yeah. 60s um and the the original cinerama was basically it was three 35 millimeter cameras all put together so that they could all roll at the same time and then you, you project it with three projectors all onto one screen to make the widest widescreen um uh, at the time it was actually projected onto a curved screen um which was really cool because it, it was actually, instead of being fully curved, it was these individual slats all facing forward so that you wouldn't get any reflection from one side to the other, you know, since it was a curved surface, um, uh... which is really cool. Um, the problem with Cinerama, they only ever made travelogues 
and then two feature films. And only one of the feature films was like really cool, which was uh, How the West Was Won. Um, and even with How the West Was Won, they ran into so much trouble filming with it that there were like two or three shots shot in Ultra 70 uh, that they just kind of fit to the size needed for Cinerama. Because um, basically like if one of the cameras broke, you couldn't film of, of the three in the set. Because the rig was three cameras shooting at the same Three time. cameras bolted together. And then even beyond mm -hmm. that, like the projectors, if one of the projectors got out of sync with the other ones, it was super noticeable. Um, there were just, there were a lot of issues that, that came about. And so after that, um, they, the Cinerama name was so important that a lot of films, even when they shot on like 70 millimeter, they would still say presented in Cinerama as kind of like an advertising gimmick. Um, right. So, so Quentin Tarantino famously uh, likes showing off that name. I'm, I think, to, I think he may have said that uh, the Hateful Eight was shot in Cinerama. It was uh, Ultra Panavision 70. Well, it, it was Ultra Panavision 70, but I think in the opening credits, it says presented in Cinerama. Oh. As an ode to that era where people said Cinerama when it wasn't actually Cinerama. Because gotcha. he's such a nerd. He knows all about that. Um, oh, yeah. And then, and then I will say there was this guy in like 2011 who was a huge Cinerama fan and actually refurbished a Cinerama camera and shot an 11 minute short film. I remember. In, in Cinerama around LA. It was just, you know, like a travelogue kind of thing. And then they actually played it at the Cinerama Dome here in LA. Um, and it was the first Cinerama film in like 50 years. Uh, but there are only three, sorry, I'm just giving you all my Cinerama facts. I, so I know, get that's why to I talk about this. <laughs> But there are, there are only three Cinerama theaters left in the world. The Cinerama Dome here in LA, which just got saved by AMC because the Arclight went out of business. Um, the Cinerama Theater in Seattle. And then there is a Cinerama Theater in York, England at this like film museum there. Um, the only three left in the world that can project it. So. Wow. Well, wow. Anyways. Was yeah. there, um, was there, didn't some, wasn't someone going to make a Napoleon movie drama? So, Do you so remember that's hearing about this? It, yes. So, so it wasn't actually, it, that was like proto Cinerama where they did shoot on three cameras, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a full Cinerama setup, but that was, that was way back um, bef before this like widescreen right. debacle. Because yes. I remember hearing that because it was not only, was there scenes where it was all three showing the same theme, mm -hmm. but then they'd have random ones where they'd be showing different stuff as well. So it was like, so, insane. So that, was, <laughs> that was actually three uh, 35 millimeter 133 cameras. So it was a square aspect right. ratio that the three square aspect ratios were put together, where Cinerama was three widescreen aspect ratios. Right, right, right. Um, and, and yeah, and that one has this whole thing behind it because it's like a three-hour epic and most of the prints were lost or destroyed. And so, yes. like, you know, nobody knows exactly if they're seeing the full version or not. But, yeah, that was, that was what kind of – I forget what it was called. It was a really great name of, like, what they called that style. Um, yeah. It was like Tri-Vision or something. Um, yeah. Which was rad. So I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to track that down and put that in the description of the episode. So there um, really isn't a lot of movies to go off of. No. So, so we have a couple of options. We could do kind of, uh, you know, lean into the travelogue kind of thing. Like a lot of these Cinerama movies were, um, they'd mount a Cinerama camera on a roller coaster. Um, they would, you know, take it to these exotic locations because what Cinerama does- It feels is like kind of modern IMAX. Yes. 
with the exception of of you, you do have that warp around. Uh, well, just so you, in you, what it is like that. Yes, it's kind yeah. of not a gimmick necessarily, but a gimmick that they were using to try and get people into a thing. It's mostly used for travelogue stuff, you know. Right, seems very similar to IMAX. And the way it's set up, you can't really do a close up because it's like literally it's so big that it it kind of forces you to shoot wider. Um, and right. so that lends itself towards these epics, these big moments, these grand, you know, adventures, experiences. Um, Quentin Tarantino's intimate one room. Well, weirdly enough, even Quentin Tarantino is like, I'm really finding it hard to to do a uh, yeah to get get a close up uh, on this because there's just so much space. Yeah, everything's in shot. So uh, okay, okay. So yeah, let's let's percolate on that one. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like this is similar to like when I did when I put cin- uh, cinematic universe on the spin wheel. Like it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to combine. It's a weird, yeah. It <laughs> we, is. we might we might have to do a third spin to to round it out. We'll see. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Outlaw Western. Outlaw Western. So some example. It's a Western with an outlaw. It. <laughs> it strikes me as like. But really, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. You know, like there is an outlaw as the protagonist. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what I see it as. I mean, let me Google it because I did pull a lot of these Western ones um, from just that. from. Yeah. Um. No. So yeah, I, I think we just go with the fact that it's that we follow an outlaw as a protagonist. Okay, um, that makes sense. That works. What? Okay. It's kind of hard for a travelogue. Yeah. Um, well, uh, hmm. Unless hmm. you have an outlaw doing the traveling. <laughs> yeah, okay, or, just, just... or your is a day in the life of a bank robber. And it follows them robbing, setting up, robbing a bank, running away. That's the that, movie. I mean, that could be really cool. I also want to throw out there, this could be like an outlaw who in the 1800s was huge. And this is like in the 1910s. He's literally like taking his family around to all of the places he used to rob. <laughs> Although it sounds like, I don't know most of the Cinerama things that you met that happened that existed but travelogue mm. at least the ones you were talking about seem more experiential than like, yeah yeah they um, are just like, like i, I could see it if it was mounted on like a train and you're like wow look at this view from that's a what train. i was thinking it's like riding so with horses you know yeah that's true that would yeah that would look really cool riding however riding there's also how the west was one which you know is the biggest cinerama film ever is the well, yeah, exactly. And it's awesome yeah. and um, has a bunch of horses. Not outlaws necessarily, but it's got a bunch of horses. So that seems like that could, you know, it could, we could try and figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Because so, so the thing with the How, How the West was one is it's basically telling the whole story of the West or, you know, at least its perspective on the, the whole story of the West. You know, there's a lot it left out. Brutal. But um, 
it you know it starts with like people settling the plains and then the outlaws and then the the civil war and then like you know civil civilization moving in and so it really covers like 60 or 80 years um and and wow. I, mean, I i don't know if you remember this but like it starts with I the prescott family oh no we, we definitely saw it a long long time ago oh okay uh but and, and it blew my mind at the time because it literally starts with this young girl in this family going across the west and ends with her as a grandmother like heading to her new home and it, and it just was this moment of like you know you you explore like 30 different characters in that movie but then to like frame it with this young girl and then her as a grandmother at the end i remember as a kid just being like what you can do that like what <laughs> yeah um so i i mean i could see because I, I would love to to tap into the aspect of cinerama and how the west was won in terms of like spanning so much time and epicness that I think, you know, maybe some, something about like the entire life of an outlaw in the West or something like that. Um, it's kind of how Butch know. Cassidy is. It's over a longer period. Right. Cause, because Butch Cassidy's kind of, I think it's just kind of their, the end of their career when, when they, they get hunted and, and end up in South America, I think. No, that's the second half, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's like the classic... Uh, oh, Like when you have fall. a bad guy. Yeah, Rise and Fall. Yeah. I think, like, Fight, uh, Fight Club doesn't do it. <laughs> but, but like, like a, good a, tra- fellas, a Greek tragedy kind of thing. Yeah. Fellas and... Um, that's true, gangster movies, yeah. Well, good fellas. I don't know how many other gangster movies do it. But it's just having a specific... Right. And the second half is like, sucks. Right. No, I mean, that's, if, if memory serves from college classes, I, I think that was a trope, especially in the gangster film, because like Little Caesar did that and stuff. Um, oh, right. Where Scarface. At least at, at least at the time, they, they couldn't show um, like the, the gangster winning you know like that wasn't part right. of american culture and so they were so anytime like things were going really well the screenwriter then had to turn things around even though it was, it was accurate you know to some degree like there's a rise and fall like al pacino yeah. had a rise and fall but um but yeah so that that dive into it um <laughs> okay so so what are uh what are we th- oh ooh. now i'm just thinking about like american epics and that that throws in like the whole thing of like what if this is an immigrant coming from another country and then they head across the west and it's just like a whole lifetime of exploring in in that time frame of like 1870 to 1910 or something like that you know right i don't know heck you could even throw in world war one just to really make people feel like time has passed isn't that really crazy, crazy to think that people could have fought in the Civil War and uh, World War One? I? I mean, they'd have to be really young in the Civil War and really old in World War One. <laughs> but like, you could have. Yeah, you could have. True. Yeah, that's, just, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, it's only a fifty-year difference. So, if you were fifteen in the Civil War, you'd be sixty-five. Was the Civil War sixties? Uh, sixty to sixty-five. Wow. Or sixty-four? No, sixty. I think it was that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, wow. 
yeah, I remember thinking in uh, in middle school, I was like, it's like, wow, I really appreciate that the Civil War happened in 60 to 65, because that is so much easier to remember for my test than uh, than some other arbitrary date, you know? <laughs> so true. Let me, let me just double check that I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> uh, okay, no, it was 61. My bad. No, at least 65 is easy. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. 65 is helpful. Uh, but for all those out there listening, it was 1961 or 1861, not 1860. Anyways, um, okay. So what, what that we've said so far, do you, uh, do you like? What, what, are you, what are you feeling? What are you jiving with? Should we do another spin? What are you thinking? Uh, yeah. Another spin? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> Spinning away. Because Cinerama just isn't... It's isn't so... Yeah, it is. It genre. is, it's it is pretty vague. And not all the formats. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't we done this? Neo-noir. No, we've done noir twice, but we've never actually done neo-noir. Seriously. So neo-noir just popped up, guys. Um, and we've done... Oh, well, that's going to be the coolest movie ever. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. <laughs> So, so neo noir outlaw, outlaw western, western like come on in cinerama <laughs> yeah oh my this... god sounds phenomenal yeah yeah this is of... what we were missing the first thing that that jumped into my mind would be um hell or high water which i haven't seen but um that's, oh, was... that's like a neo western i think i was thinking memento <laughs> i just want christopher nolan Ooh. to direct it <laughs> Oh, I just shoot. want Christopher Nolan to direct the Outlaw Western. <laughs> Heck yes! Oh my god. Okay, so, so uh, do you want to you want to break down neo noir? Sure. Uh, noir, for those of you who weren't here previously, was a genre of film uh, back in the '40s and maybe '50s uh, during World War One, where basically World um, War Two. World War Two. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> World War II, where uh, the U.S. made a bunch of movies. Well, they were all had these heavy de detectives and brooding detectives based on a, I guess, noir genre books earlier. But at, they had like a really kind of somber tone and blah, blah, blah. And a hard-boiled detective, the femme fatale, who you, he really likes and gets on the end and then is the bad guy. And then... Um, <laughs> The the main character usually what they really want and ends up in the same place or whatever. Anyways, like after the war was over, uh, France had quarantining against foreign films slash they were in the middle of a war so they didn't get films. And then all yeah. the films flooded it at the end. And so they saw like, hey, wait a second, all these films are kind of similar because that's black and French. Um, much later uh, people kind of took the same like some of the same themes and kind of grittiness and like the detectiveness and started making more movies and that's kind of neo-noir so Blade Runner is known as being a really solid neo-noir um, uh, but, but yeah yeah Blade Runner definitely is but also you know like things like Chinatown was a neo noir, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and and Memento right. that that you just mentioned, um, you know. So they have that moody vibe to them, 
um, with very hard boiled detectives. Yeah. yeah. Usually gritty because they could actually get into stuff that the, the 40s and 50s couldn't get into. Yeah. Um, moral quandaries. There's a lots of tiny neo noirs kind of out there. Brick. Brick would be a neo noir. Brick, totally. Yeah, Ryan totally. Johnson's Brick, which definitely go check that out if you haven't seen it. So mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're again. usually dark tones, gritty mm-hmm. character. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, okay, so we have a neo-noir with an outlaw western. So this is an outlaw who's... Hmm. Yeah. Do we, do we want this modern day? Do we want this like in the 90s? Do we want this in the 1800s? What, what are we thinking? Um, I think just make it a period piece because it would be awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so 1800s. And it's a and it's a western, you know. It's an outlaw west. Unless, and, do we, do we want to do something really strange where there's like two parallel narratives, one in the 1800s and one in the present day, and there's some kind of mystery between them that the noir detective is trying to solve? I don't know. Just throwing throwing these things out there. This is tricky. I don't think so. Cool. Okay. I was thinking about the double narratives thing because it's almost like Outlaw Western follows an outlaw and yeah. Neo Noir follows a hard boiled detective. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, two different narratives. The possibility is you have an outlaw <gasps> who has to take on this thing, you know? You, you, you know what this reminds me of is what? Um, that guy. Uh, I think Mickey Rourke's character in Sin City, that kind yeah. of vibe where he's, you know, he's not a good guy, but finds himself really determined to solve, to find out who killed that woman because it just matters so much to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, yeah, that, that kind of vibe. That could, that could kind of be it. And then, um, shot in Cinerama. Shot in Cinerama. I mean, what it could be, yeah, is like then the, the whoever this person is um, finds this person and wants to figure out who it is, but then also has to dodge the police who are also trying yes. to, to do it. And at the end, they get blamed for the murder anyways. Yes. And then it's sad. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag neo-noir. <laughs> Hashtag neo-noir. Yeah, that's, a, that's another Hashtag thing. Hashtag outlaw western. <laughs> with, with neo-noir. Like, if you, if you think about it, especially like I mean, actually, all, all of the neo-noir films we mentioned, uh, they end with a very morally ambiguous, like, are we satisfied with that? Are we not? Are know. they good? Is it not? Yeah. I don't really... What's happening in there? So, um, can we call our, our bad guy Riggs? I just really like that as a name for a bad Riggs. guy. Or, you know, an outlaw. Outlaw? Someone Riggs. Or sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Frederick Riggs or... I don't know. Um, Hello, Riggs. Hella? Tellerigs. Tellerigs? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Teletubbies. Um, okay, well, now I'm less okay with that. Um, or, or do we want it to be... Uh, it, could, it could be a woman who then, like, runs into a yeah. man. Yeah. Or another woman. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, we it's should... Let's just figure out... Anymore. Well, it could definitely be. I mean, we just because we yeah. haven't had... Yeah, female representation neo-noir or like 
diversity representation neo-noir that's true at least that i can think of yeah anyways i think it's more exciting to think about like what story at least we're trying to figure out at this point so she Uh, or this this outlaw basically commits some kind of crime robbing something or other runs into a person that they connect with in some way that person ends up dead and now they have to find out how to or what what happened and while also dodging the the cops something like that or do we want to move away from the sin city the thing with the thing with outlaw westerns i think Mm. which is the thing with most westerns just you're Mm. following an outlaw (laughs) is uh it's about the changing of the era right and how they're out of sorts with the era right yes right yes i i I have something okay yeah go for it so 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 many of these outlaw westerns and stuff especially like the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford um and and like even things like bonnie and clyde which isn't really an outlaw western but sort of is yeah they really experience this thing of like once they become famous for robbing banks and once they have the money their lives kind of lose a little bit of meaning because they can't like settle down anywhere. They can't stop running. You know, there's, there's kind of this like, what is, what is my purpose kind of thing. And, and they felt, feel, you, you know, there's a lot of ennui of like being dragged down by the people around you because you don't know what your purpose is. Mm. What if, what if we kind of follow this outlaw in that kind of setting where we see them after a good haul and now it's like, okay, we got to lay low for the next six months. And he's just like, so, just frustrated with, with his position and everything. But then he, uh, his, he like comes back one day and his, every, everyone at the, like the, the compound ranch or whatever is dead. And he's like, what, what happened? And he, he goes on this quest to find out like who did this. But then the ambiguous plot twist at the end is that it turns out that like him all along. Well, that at some point he got drunk and like one of his followers who worships him or something he tells him, like, you know, I, I wish I could just kill all these, or I wish I could get rid of all these people so I could just go off on my own. And, and this guy takes it seriously and, and some kind of, like, twisted, like, assassination of Jesse James or Robert Ford kind of vibe to it of, like, oh, I'll do anything you say kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> just throwing that one out there. All right. What, what, what are you feeling? I, I think I was going towards the, the like... Um the world changes even though what they want to do doesn't change, you know? Okay. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what I meant by the, the Western thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I definitely didn't lean too close to that. What about like in a, this could be a place where a city has sprung up where pre like they'd, they'd been hanging out there ever since it was just like a settlement and now it's like a full on city and they have to deal with the fact that like law and order is there something like that. I don't know. Or yeah, it's hard with the rise and fall thing. I feel like the thing would be, Oh, that, right. Like, we do want to see the rise and fall. Yeah. I forgot. About maybe, that. maybe uh, it kind of doesn't fit. I like, cause with a mystery, you know, it kind of doesn't fit with the mystery right. unless you figure out the mystery halfway through. No. Or the second half. Maybe the crappy part is the mystery. Because mm. <laughs> what you could do is, like you're saying, there's a city that springs up or something, right? So the first half is, like, them being, like, we're stealing stuff and life is awesome. 
okay. So and then someone dies and there's a city and they've got to like enter into that world. So what if, okay, what if, what if we add on that like, sucks? What if we add on a layer of conspiracy theory to tie in with this noir oh, where, yeah. right where basically this, the rise is you have this like, this, this guy who wants to be an outlaw and basically runs into some mysterious well-dressed gentleman who basically kind of like gives him the information he needs of like, you know, be here at this time and, and do this. And throughout this whole thing, this guy, you know, this guy or similar members of some group keep giving him this, inf- him this information. And we see this rise in, in power. Um, and he doesn't care too much about like where this information is coming from because he's just doing this. And then the halfway point is when like they step away or they, you know, they're basically trying to get him killed or, or something. And so the mis- so, so, so we still have that epic rise and fall. Um, but then we also have this like long-term mystery of like, who is this group and why are they kind of funding his, his outlaw operation kind of thing? And what's, what's going on there? Stuff. I don't, sure. I don't, I don't know. It's not, 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 not ringing with you. Um, I mean, that's, that's a no. <laughs> Just trying to figure out why, what, like why the group would do that. Yeah, or why? Why? Why is it? Why are we making it so convoluted? Well, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily too convoluted. It's just uh, you know, you, you basically have a rise and fall of an outlaw, but then the fall is kind of orchestrated by someone in the shadows. Because noir, you know, usually has people in the shadows. Like Chinatown has has that whole shady Noah Cross organization totally. vibe to it. So just, yeah, just think of it like a, a rise and fall outlaw Western, but with Noah Cross over the course of years causing some sticky situations for people. I mean, that seems like it could just be the sphere of influence of this outlaw. Oh, true. Runs into this other sphere of influence. And, and that causes someone to die or something. And that causes them to engage right into that that area right yeah okay. whether it's the okay. city or something right yeah um and and in in that way you could really have a great you know like bad guy character where it's just like you just hear his name for most of it um and and then you kind of like get to see them at the end where you know every every time he kind of bumps into the circle you hear like angus king you're like what you don't want to mess with Angus King or like, who's Angus King? I don't know. It's not my, it's not my best name off the top of my head. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah, this actually, um, kind of, I was thinking about Brick, how it starts <laughs> with the person who's dead, mm. right? The impetus and then goes back and that's true. So what is it okay. like that and then goes back in time to when things are great. And then Yeah. Okay. I don't know. There's yeah, so there, it seems like such a good be... combo. I I feel like we should just do what we like more. <laughs> I don't know right. what it is though. No, I mean, I, I like all of these ones that, that we've been throwing out. I, I, think, I think this would work really well if 
you have some character that bridges the gap between the two groups, which is what brings the outlaw into the interactions with this other group. So, so like, you know, how in Brick, uh, the girl who, who dies, like she knows the main character, but then she also is very embedded in this whole other world. And so, so she becomes the invitation for him to get in and explore this world. And so with this Perfect. outlaw. It's someone who was part of the outlaw gang yep. and then left a while ago. Right. And then and came then, back for this little bit and was like, I need mm-hmm. help. And they were like, no, nah, you're fine. And then they die. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I think throughout this, the movie, you then have like this, the, so the first half is kind of that rise. So, so maybe the first half, we actually see this person in with the group because it's the rise of the group. It's the, the power, the, the, the goodness. And then, the, then they leave. And then when we move into the second half, you know, maybe we do a time jump Fall or something. will work so well. I think it would be oh, easier if we okay. just do a straightforward. Okay. It, it's just so hard because it's, for a mystery, it's so hard to have a rise and fall and a mystery. Because a mystery well, is like I... one direction and a rise and fall is like. Okay. No, you know, but, but oh, so how I'm thinking so hard, of it, I feel like. how I'm thinking of it is, is like, if you think about the wise man's fear or um, name of the wind, like yeah. the first half, the mystery is is kind of like with uh, with Denna, just who she is and what's really going on with her. That we kind of like have that as the mystery for the first half, and then she shows up dead halfway through, and you're like, well, clearly there's something going on there. And then the second half is the fall and the looking into, you know, what was really going on with her and everything like that kind Wait, of thing. Wait, Denna doesn't die. No, no, she doesn't. Sorry, I'm saying in our movie. Just like, oh, whoa, 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 just whoa. I, I'm, I'm just saying that like the first half is that like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I'm just thinking the I first like, half is like what? that, that confusion about like, oh, you don't remember that chapter? My bad. <laughs> Clearly, I was like, somehow I missed that. I remember trying to figure out about her, but like, it's not. I don't thought. Yeah, I thought she didn't die. I thought there was still hope. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking that like the first half is is a lot of that like setup adventure, and to and to be fair, like this style of movie where the first half and second half are very different is very like 70s you know as you said goodfellas like it's, it's that it's that kind of era where they're just like long and peculiar and people still love them for whatever reason i don't yeah. know I, I i i feel like this is this is kind of starting to to come together but we we can we can skip the rise and fall if you want if if you want to go for it, I mean, I'm I'm happy with that. I just can't see the combination of the two because it seems like okay. neo noir is so different. So, yeah, like the rise and fall. The thing about it is, it's not actually a plot. It's just life rising and falling, and it's just over a period of time. Okay, like like all those are just like very okay. loosey. Like Goodfellas is literally over. 30 or something. No, years. In, in, instead, let's lean more towards um, uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Because most haven't of seen that. It. You haven't? No. Oh, I thought you just saw it like two months ago or something. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> that movie spends most of the movie showing like. That rise, jumps in back in time. Great. Yeah. And then the fall is like real, real short and, and real quick. Um, well, sort of. A little bit um so okay okay so then how about this how about this instead of doing a rise and fall 
we just have a series of flashbacks to establish how positive things were before and throughout the movie. But then the, the actual like impetus of the film is this person, you know, this mystery of this person digging into this other person's past um, and, and exploring why they died kind of thing. So then we can start the film with them being dead and the main character being like, I got to figure this out. But then we kind of get like a series of flashbacks of like, oh, things were so good back then. Maybe we don't even need the flashbacks. Maybe we just have, you know, a series of pointed conversations with various characters of like, man, I remember back in the day, things were so easy kind of thing. Because yes. actually that would really fit with the noir, like, I don't understand the world anymore. It's so complex. Things used to be so easy. <laughs> things aren't black and white anymore. It's so nuanced and gray. Am I a good guy? I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah that actually of everything we've said so far today that feels the most right to me like just an outlaw sitting in a in a bar reminiscing with like the bartender about how easy things were back in the day and how little things make sense now you know talking about with the the advent of like laws and order to the west and how that actually makes things make less sense yeah i think that's i think that's totally the way to go is having a mystery where an outlaw who was an outlaw Western in literally the most free area then has to navigate Mm -hmm. this complex system of Mm -hmm. checks and balances of the law and the way things work and gangs and stuff within the Mm -hmm. city. And it's way more complex than it was back there, you know, because what they want is freedom. And it also mirrors how the world gets more complex the the closer you get, you know? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the older you get, the person could be like a little older. So they were like in their 30s. <laughs> she isn't like that old. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, can we have, uh, what is his name? What is his name? Uh, the name. actor from oh, the that Phantom. Dude. Oh, I mean, he's great. I was actually thinking. The bad guy, uh, Xander Drags. Kerry Hikuryoki uh, Tagawa, the oh. great Kabai Seng. Can can he be the outlaw? <laughs> sure. He's just I love I love his voice and uh just picturing him like as an old grizzled uh you know like outlaw who's like you know uh, you know I was I was good back in the day, you know, and then and we can kind of throw in the the fact that all of the the Chinese immigrants during the the western and everything like that kind of we can, we can throw that into it as well. Yeah, sounds good. Um, is that a new Purge movie? Oh my God. Yes, there's the Forever Purge, which is basically taking the concept of the Purge and then saying like, let's ignore the concept of the Purge. It's like, the Purge doesn't end when midnight happens. The Purge is now forever. It's like, okay, the whole concept of the Purge <laughs> it only lasted a certain amount of time. Okay. Um, I think that's okay. a great idea. Having cool. a, an outlaw who has been living the life and being in the freedom and then someone Mm. that they were trying to avoid being in the city as much as possible and then um this person that they uh used to trying to work yeah that they used to work with or their mentor or something got got killed and they have to figure out why yeah and so they you know they start going to towns that they're not comfortable with or they go to places that used to be so open and free and now you know have very strict sets of laws and um 
Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, do you ever see um, Unforgiven? No. That almost feels like an outlaw neo-noir. <laughs> yeah. Probably, it's about as close. Yeah. 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 As you could get. Actually, what I was thinking is um, the way you could have the rise and fall. <laughs> Not that I think we should, but I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there because this, I think, would work is you'd have flashbacks to when they were there before before it got industrialized uh, so each and time they go when to they, a place so each time they go to a place or it doesn't have to be exactly one for one but it's like mm-hmm. scene so they're like oh this is them when they were robbing it and when it was just a fun time yeah mm-hmm. it's showing the differences but i could it's pretty i you know they can yeah. also just talk about it you know if if we did it like that, I could see Which is it more, more how I'd make the movie, but Right. I might I could not see, be as effective. I, I could see that as like a Tarantino style thing where like each scene is very clearly set up as like this is the this is the next scene. You know, whether it's with like title cards or just kind of like that vibe of like, you know, for the next twenty minutes we're gonna be living in this room, both in the past and in the present, you know, that kind of vibe. That didn't make a lot of sense, but it made sense in my head. Anyways, um, cool. I'm, I'm down with that. It, you know what it should really be instead of that is just flashbacks to the interaction with this other person. Mm. Of like their relationship. So that you build up yeah. the relationship as it goes. It's kind of mystery and then you may not have, you kind of build up the emotional connection as time goes on between the person. <laughs> so when this person is there and you just want to do it in a way so that it doesn't feel like you're not connected. Right. Because uh, in Brick, you don't, you kind of get the connection, but not really. So it's right. like, mm. so, and also in Memento, because um, you're just kind of there with them, which right. is something people say about my films. So I'm saying like, yes, let's, <laughs> let's fix that and do it. Uh, right. Well, I think, right. I does think, that kind of make sense? Does that I, yeah, yeah. I, I think what, okay, what, okay. what works with, with Brick and Memento is, that those are movies about people who are obsessed with something. Right. And so, and so it, it actually, I think, works to their benefit that we don't see them in a situation because on some level we're like, do we trust these people? Like, they, they seem kind of crazy. Um, yeah. And I think that, that builds with those films, and it's just a question of if that's what we want with, with our film. Um, I do want to throw out there... Shoot. Well, I was going to say something. Ah, it was really... I think it was smart. I don't know. Dang it. All <laughs> right. Not to, okay. not to throw in um, queer over or undertones, but <laughs> if you had it be like, actually, I think what hasn't been addressed, like you could have a woman looking for a woman, but actually a guy searching for a guy would be pretty cool. Um, True. And so like they had a relationship in the past, but they can't talk about it or can't like right. can't make it known. So that's like part of the draw. And either we know that immediately. So like, I think we should want to know it immediately. Cause then you at least have mm-hmm. this like, Oh, this conflict of like, how do you know them? And it's like, we were friends and, or something. And, and even it even just more, adds a layer yeah. to all the interactions. Well, and, right? and even more beyond that, I think it, it adds in uh, an emotional context for the coming of civilization 
where when when the West was open, they could kind of do right. whatever they wanted. Broke back mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and, and and now and now that like oh. law and order has been established, they can't, you know. And so there yeah. there is you kind of what? that duality to I it. I think I think it should be two women though, because we did um the werewolf one. <laughs> which was had it? the two guys. Was that two dudes? It was two dudes. Oh, I guess you're right. I think it was two dudes. It was. No, it was certainly two dudes because we were okay. looking at all those old pictures. Um, uh, oh, more, yeah. What was it? Longshire. Um, whatever. Uh, yeah. Ha- hang more. I don't know. So whatever. It's that, it's that, uh, that movie. Um, yeah. Um, so that's why okay. I think we should switch it up with, with two women. But then you have a similar thing. It, it works really well as two guys, actually. I, I, I want to, yeah. I think it works really well. I, I and one say, of them can be black. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I want to say two guys. Which adds a whole new level as well. True. Um, yeah, I want, I want to say two guys because I think just in the context of a Western, um, it, 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 feel, it feels more, more structured in that, in that context. True. Um, Carson, break the gender norms. But no, I agree with you. I'm 100% behind the, the two guys and having, I think it fits and subverts the, the Western a lot mm-hmm. in a cool way. I think um, especially just because the Western is so much about hyper-masculinity. Um, exactly. Exploring yeah. masculinity that I think, that I think it, yeah. yeah. For the themes of this movie, I think that works. Right. Um, Okay, do we want to quickly jump to title and poster before we, we kind of tie, tie up the sure. final sense? Um, so, so remember, we are filming this in Cinerama. So wide open vistas and, and whatnot. Cinerama Doesn't really work for noir. Because uh, noir is all about like moody, close shots and whatnot. Yeah. That's kind of why I was thinking the flashbacks also, because mm. then those are in the West environment versus right. the inside. And I think we just have to look to, you know, the hateful eight for as much uh, well, like in inside city kind and, of stuff. And you know, the, the way you do it is that when you film the Cinerama shots in present day, you just always frame it in such a way that like, the two side cameras are obstructed or, or framed in such a way that like the focus is always towards that center camera tight, tight right. framing of someone really make it feel claustrophobic. And then when you go to the flashbacks, it's so open and free and wide, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or we could just shoot with one camera. Uh, I mean, we could in the, in the, but if we're shooting, stuff. but if we're shooting Cinerama, let's just shoot Cinerama. I know, but I was thinking, if you're just shooting Cinerama, why are you spending most of the movie with two thirds of the screen obstructed? Because <laughs> that was the spin, Connor. <laughs> oh my god! But that sucks. It's like no, I I know. Money you're know. spending on film, it's like we're spending all this money for this camera that's pointing at a door frame. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, like 10 minutes ago. So when you were talking about flashbacks, I think there is opportunity to do something really cool with the flashbacks, which um, was in Stalker. Uh, I just saw the Russian film by Tarkovsky, Stalker, last night, and it was mind-blowing, way too long, but so mind-blowing. They did this thing where for parts of the film, 
they they basically did what you did back in uh, the nineteen like twenties, where they colorized it in such a way that they filmed black and white, and then just layered a single color over the top of it. Hmm. And and so they just did this yellow, and it made it feel so like grungy and and peculiar. Uh, and and I I don't know. I'd never seen anything like it in a contemporary film, especially because they switch from that to full color. And when they jump back and forth, you're just like, what? what, what? Like, it's so overwhelming hmm. and awesome. And I feel like there's, there's an opportunity to, to make it, instead of just being like amber flashbacks or like black and white flashbacks, you know, doing something a little bit more funky. But maybe not. No, I like it. It's just, it seems like that, like you were saying, it's grungy. And the past is like the good part. So you'd want the oh. present to be grungy. I mean, we could. But then most of the movie would just be this colorized That's black fair. and white film. And that seems like a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Okay. I like it as a thing. I just think the past is like the good part. So why would you you'd right. want the, the color to be like a positive? Yeah. Thing. I mean, yeah, shoot. You know? It is cause it is a powerful contrast, though. That I do like your idea. I know the past know. colored and the present uh, CP or uh, I mean, monotone, at the very but... least, like at least the way I've been imagining it, it it will be different in that the present is like these darker neon noir yeah. tones, and the past right. is like really light and airy right. and like spacious. So there will be huge differences, regardless yeah. of just like straight up black True. and white versus color True. thing. You know. Um, um, I mean, now, now I'm just picturing like not, not just framing a door frame, you know, in, in the present, but even like when you have shots with like a, a crowd, you know, just having people spaced in such a way that, that it's just like really isolating them in the, in the center. I, I'm really down with this, this uh, Cinerama framing. I think, present. yeah, I, I love the idea of using Cinerama again, like the Hateful Eight just in a small areas mm-hmm. and what you can do with space and blocking mm-hmm. and framing and stuff. I think oh, that's so the cool. blocking would be so good. Well, hopefully <laughs> we'd have to block it, but yeah, hopefully he's so good. You know, what's another outlaw Western slash neo-noir oh, uh, road, road to perdition. I was just Le- um... leaning more towards the neo-noir and less towards the outlaw. Is it a Western. neo-noir? Well, not really. You're right. Isn't it's it a more... gangster film? It is a gangster film, but it is about basically an outlaw in a gang who he doesn't really have to like solve a mystery, but he does have to kind of like navigate the a style seems situation. very yeah neo noir esque, but it doesn't seem like a neo noir from what I know about it. Ivan, it's a, it's like neo noir without without the I don't want to say without the mystery. It's a neo noir with a different kind of mystery. It's more of like why did this happen? as opposed to like, who did this? Right. So, Hmm. yeah. Anyways, um, okay, so title, what are we thinking? Love's Labor Lost. (laughs) Did you just say Love's Labor Lost? Yeah, I think it's already taken. (laughs) Um, Okay, what about... What if we um, went brass, something... Brass buckles. Brass buckles. Um, I mean, what, what if we went something closer to, like, 
the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, not that long, Furs. but um. like throwing a name in there, like, you know, because there's that movie, The Outlaw Josie Wales or Butch Cassidy and Science Kid. Like, what if we put a person's name in there? True, title? but I know. No. Those are real people. Wow. Okay. That's <laughs> fair point. <laughs> And Josie Wales, I don't know, but it's okay. What like if Josie Wales what if we did something do. similar to like Three Ten to Yuma, where it's more of like a location or a place that you then That's discover fine. its significance we just halfway figure through? Figure out the thing. So what if? That's why I was... What if that was okay? Okay. What if that was the train like that the guy was first. supposed to take to visit him, and he never showed, and that's when he starts. We, we can't we tend to yuma did that what we can't do an actual train okay the then <laughs> what if it's what if like a street address and like at a time okay. or something or, okay um what is it uh you know canyon road nope the the high no, pass that, trail um um cattleway Sun- Ooh, cattleway sunset at cattleway <laughs> that feels so 1940s western <laughs> come <Cattle>. see <laughs> you know john ford in sunset at cattleway oh my god the new picture <laughs> i mean john wayne not john ford uh, uh, uh yeah i don't um there's hmm, okay hmm. What about something with mountain, like broke back mountain? Mountain. Is that yeah, that's that, a good... that hasn't been taken, right? No, that's yeah. probably good. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. If it is taken, um, we can make it into a book, and it probably isn't a book either. Campfire blues. Oh boy. <laughs> that's why I was thinking something like copper spurs or something. So it's like yeah. something important between them when they're in the past that we then discover throughout. Ooh. Or it's like what they're trying to find or what they're trying to make lay to rest or like. Um, what, what if it's something like leading into like the how the West was won vibe? Like what if it's like how I, how he got his copper spurs or something like that, you know? Or like uh, how he got his copper spurs. <laughs> and it has some context in the movie, you know, some. That's not sexual. <laughs> Nope, nope. Purely, <laughs> purely above board. Very platonic. Uh, you know. Oh boy, that's a good one. <laughs> Literally, just me copper spurs. <laughs> um, um, I feel like because I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like either I kind of don't like it as much. It depends on the movie, but do you think it would work better or worse if the flashbacks are actually, like, the development of their relationship? So it's not just showing them together. It's, like, revealing this awesome, like, as you go through and uncover this mystery, you're also uncovering why this person's important to this person. Right? Does that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that makes sense. And then the kind of twist at the end, which would be, like, the relationship would develop as the film and at the end the twist is both the I feel like we did this with that female James Bond movie (laughs) but it's like the twist is both um, the relationship like oh my gosh you realize they're romantically involved no but that wouldn't be the real twist that would probably be part way through but it's just like 
it, it wouldn't be immediate, you know? So I guess oh, I see what you're saying. like, would that, would that work as well? It's just a possibility of you don't immediately know their relationship. It's more, um, them meeting and develop. I think that works. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, that was something that in, uh, cause I just watched call me by your name recently. Exactly. And like, and like that was something in that movie. They never like say like, Oh, I'm gay. Like, it's just, it's just when they finally like, you know, open up about their affections for each other. You're like, Oh, this seems, this seems right. You know, I don't know why I couldn't tell you what, you know, what happened to get me there, but it just like, yeah, you, you build up to that point of like, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. okay. So we're still, I like that. I think still, that's a good, yeah, I, I think that's good. We're still figuring out the title though. What about something like the last Mustang? Like the last cult, <laughs> like not sexually. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm meaning all of these literally. <laughs> yeah, but come on, guys, and that's <laughs> that's pretty. How, how is that? Mustang. Oh <laughs> Mustang is a horse. It's a wild horse. <laughs> I know. But that doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be sexual. It can just it's, be a it's horse. It's the last one. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> so something else then. Uh, also, there's a new stallion movie. Oh, there's a whole stallion thing that is completely unrelated to the original stallion film, and it really bothers oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're like oh. It's been like 20 years. Nobody will mind if we just completely reboot this thing as a, you know, kids movie that's more for kids than the original was. Anyways. Um, Anyway. You. Okay, let's try something totally different. Okay, okay. Different. Um, Uh, Train. um, Trains. Train Train Monsters. Yes, that's the one, Connor. I yeah I was I was feeling that as soon as it came out of my train train monsters. <laughs> Let's just sit I mean, and imagine not... that that is the title. <laughs> I gotta be honest, Connor. I'm seeing a world where it is, and it's a pretty I am great too. World. I I don't get it, but you I know, I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Train monsters. All right, theoretically, if that's the title, what? Uh huh be the poster for train monsters <laughs> it's cool i it's so cool it's pretty cool i wonder if they could hitch on trains during like the old times or something well they definitely would rob trains at some point oh yeah sick okay so they're yeah they can oh sick i love and it we could also throw in a whole thing about how like train not Carson, trains are it. monsters but but trains are like such an iconic thing of progress quote-unquote and industrialization and you know civilization coming to the west that you know what if he has a dream at some point that's just like a little thrown in thing there he's talking about like i saw the trains coming all right carson i'm imagining uh like an old-fashioned 60s poster where it's all hand-drawn yes i love Um, it and it's it's like some stylistic almost like stalker which you just (laughs) i've been looking at the poster but not really like like something like um like a guy's face and then like the train either like going across and his eyes are in the train or oh. it's going across his throat or something. Like that would be kind of cool, right? I I could see that. I could see the train also like 
coming forward and and not like bursting through his forehead because that's gross, but just kind of like overlaid in in that drawn way. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, because the the stalker poster. I'll try to include a, a link in the episode. But the stalker poster basically it's it's got a guy's head, and it's it's one of those things where any part that's in shadow is basically see through, um, and so you can see stuff behind him. Right. Um, right. Right. And, and it, you could do something like that with like a train coming forward, or I mean, I do really like across the eyes. The throttle yeah. works too. I know. I was thinking because, like, having them just like, and it could be it could be the person who dies, you know, with the train across, and so it's like, you know, progress is what killed them, you know. What if kind of what thing? If, what if instead of the actual train, it's it's train tracks to like him. Well, no, maybe, yeah, the train probably works. I mean, either way, I love, I love the, the, the idea. Um, you could then, honestly, oh, there's some way to do this. I mean, there is for sure. But like, to make it work where you have the protagonist looking through the uh the eyes of the train and then the person who, who is the lover like dead with the train so the train is over the eyes of the protagonist and over the throat oh the, right do you can you see it kind of like i don't know if it would work but like the 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 dead person's over the top of of the the protagonist you know um and the train's just going across. I feel like it could work. I, I feel like it, it could. It definitely, it definitely could. That might, that might be the, the indie, like, Polish version poster. Um, Poland gets the best I posters. Could, I, could, I, could, I could totally see that happening. Um, in that classic 1960s epic style that you were talking about, can we have little squares of each person's face on the bottom with, like, so-and-so as so-and-so? You know, like sure. they used to have back in the day. Sweet. Oh, totally. Um, like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> well, well <laughs> I, I don't know about it. that. West <laughs> was one poster. Um, All right. See. I like that. Oh my gosh! Just okay. Well, not not quite like how how that poster is because that is very Brady Bunch. You are very right. Ha ha ha. I know what you mean. You're talking about them all on yeah. the bottom, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this just, is super on the bottom. I mean, oh, Brady wow, Bunch is super. Oh wow, but the West was one poster. That train feels very much kind of what we're thinking of. I mean, yeah. not that angle, but just that painting of a train. That's that looks... what I'm thinking. Like that painting and having the eyes of one and then the throat of the other and then the train going across. And it's, I don't know why looking through the train is important, but somehow there's a lot of symbolism in that poster. <laughs> That, that's really cool. That, it's more like a Stanley that. Kubrick poster slash yes, like Stanislavski. No wait, who's the guy who did Stalker? Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. Oh my god. Yeah. Got the monster. Um, okay, so we've got we've got train monsters. Train monster. Like monsters. Uh, uh, I think train it was monster. Train monsters. Train monsters. Cool. So we've got train monsters. The Cinerama epic. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of of life and freedom and civilization. Um, cool. I mean, I, I, I think we, 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 I think we solved it. As, I think, uh, yeah, I think we cracked it. Phil, Phil would say. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. 
I, I didn't really know where we were going for most of that. No, but, uh, uh, the neo noir definitely helps. Definitely I'm helped. That. I'm de- yep. very glad that that shook out. Okay, very glad we threw that in. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Do you want to uh, do you want to recap briefly, and we'll we'll wrap it up sure. there? Sure. Yeah. So, um, enter you enter the Cinerama Dome. Cinerama Dome. It's train monsters on the screen train with a train monsters. riding across this person's throat or eyes or both we're not sure yet maybe there's several posters um and you're like what is this movie that i'm watching uh and the answer is <laughs> it's a neo-western uh out outlaw western neo-noir <laughs> uh but basically it starts out with this guy this gr- grizzled or semi-grizzled just just uh, disillusioned outlaw who's kind of had his run robbing trains mm-hmm. uh, and then um, inadvertently I was thinking about this I feel like there's a cool way to introduce that the person has been killed and I'm not sure what it is mm. but you inadvertently figures out that this person is dead um, oh oh I, it's kind of like Brick, where, I mean, you're always taking from something, but <laughs> there was something at the end where there's a reason why they're not together. Yeah. And that's at the very end of the flashbacks. Because um, mm-hmm. you're like, it's so good. Why did it not work out? Right. And so... Um, it could be the draw of this other character to modernity and trying to change the life. And then this guy who's trying to hold on to the West and, mm. and ride that freedom as long as possible. Something like that. Anyway, so, so finds out this person is dead. Clearly they're important to them. Decides to figure out what did it. Um, and so you've got them kind of digging down into the world and the contacts of this person and it's really convoluted and who's there and morally shady and what were they involved in and then you have flashbacks to how they met and like they were both train robbers together and then mm. it was more than that and they were lovers and it's super nice actually mm. um seeing that refreshingness and they were safe with each other they felt safe and open with each other and then as it gets more morally ambiguous in the city and the outlaw has to do more morally ambiguous stuff. And you're like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then also you're um, in the past, you're like, oh my gosh, they're getting really intense. Or, or there's tests to their relationship. So I guess like, you know, society <laughs> in the 1800s, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they're uh, doing that. And so it kind of at a head, they're both kind of messing. And at the very end, uh, really the way noir works is they kind of get back at someone and it's not even the thing that really was the thing that caused the person to die anyway. So they just get (laughs) wrapped up in some like big thing and uh, do some, some stuff. And so they do that. And then in the past we see, Oh, this is the thing that caused the rift between Mm -hmm. them where like, it could have been so good, but society didn't let them blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at the very end, this um, the protagonist, of course, confronts the actual person responsible mm-hmm. for everything. Um, 
and then that's it because they're unsatisfied but (laughs) they did their thing And 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 it leaves the audience wondering who was the real train monster him or society it's true or the other person or the other or the other person Yes. Who who was the real train monster? I, I I don't think it necessarily fits this movie, but I had this I had this vision years ago when I was working on a western of ending a movie where you have somebody like step onto a, a train track and just as the train's coming towards them, just have them like shoot their revolver at the train and just like start cutting faster and faster back and forth between them and the train and just that like hyper quick cut to to black. Just end it there. Um I don't think it necessarily fits this, but uh, do love that shot. All about society. That's cool. That's a cool. Yeah. Anyways, uh, cool. So that's that's Cinerama's own Train Monsters. Yeah. The the hit film coming to theaters. Potentially uh, most popular film ever on Cinerama. You know, potentially it could be at least the second most popular. Definitely. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, we've got a. It's a pretty safe shot to second most popular, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that'd be uh, so sick. That's a good be, one. That, that'd I be like such that. a cool movie. Yeah, I'm. I'm really directed on board by with that. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> he, he would direct it very differently. <laughs> it would be like um, moment. Well, yeah, the love. No, stuff. it would be more mm, like prestige. Crap. Honestly. It would have that kind of structure with diaries. I feel and like notebooks we just have forth. him doing the present. <laughs> we have someone else direct the past. <laughs> and then we have Tarantino whoever... do it. It'll be such a weird combination. Oh, no, no, no. We'd need whoever did like um, Butch Cassidy <laughs> oh. to do the past stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Who is it? It's Frank. It's someone? a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Frank uh, Oppenheimer? No. Um, It yeah. was George Roy Hill. He, he also did The Sting, which is my favorite movie ever, so I really should know that. George Roy Hill. Right. Okay. Great. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of The Story Brigade. Um, we're, we're coming back at you once a coming week. Coming back at you. For the rest of season three. And, uh, yeah, talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for Thank joining so us for, for the, us. the episode. Uh, it was a pleasure having the, you around. The episode you just listened to is my favorite episode. So, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't say that. Every I don't. Time. I don't say that every time either. It's, yeah. uh, it's and we so also true. don't say every time that Anchor Podcast is the the organization that lets us mm-hmm. or platform or whatever that lets us do this. Makes it super cool. Yep. Makes it super easy. Just check them out. It enables us to have fun making up movies. And, uh, and hopefully you're having second. fun too. Exactly. Hopefully you're getting mm-hmm. something from this. A little bit of fun, mm-hmm. a little bit of love from yep. from us to you, this this wacky movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you, know, if, if you feel like it, feel free to leave us a review or like, yeah. subscribe, whatever those things are. Um, yeah. We appreciate it. Leave a comment, text yeah, us. Yeah, leave us a comment. Say you like Throw it. Throw us a, a new genre if you want us to put that on the spin wheel. Uh, and then totally. until then, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Stay kind. Stay kind. Rewind. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs>